Okay, if you would tonight, let's begin in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Tonight we're going to talk about something that's, you know, politically incorrect. In a lot of places, it's religiously incorrect. But I believe it's biblically correct. So... It's incumbent upon us that we strive to obey, submit ourselves to what the Lord has for us. That's part of our walk with the Lord. That's part of being willing to suffer reproach as our Lord did, suffered without the, the camp kind of thing. Not We're not lock and step with the world. Um, <clears throat> we're here to please the Lord. After all, this isn't our home. We're just sojourning. We're just pilgrims passing through. So anyway, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And again in chapter 5, in verse 2, says... Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam the day when they were created. And then again in chapter 6 and verse 19, and of every living thing of all flesh. So now we're not just talking about mankind or men and women, we're talking about every living thing of all flesh. Two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. You know, the only way you can keep anything alive that's living, I mean, as far as if, if it's an animal or a human being is, you have to have males and you have to have females. You can't have non-binary. But, you know, we have people calling themselves non-binary nowadays. Non-binary means, you know, where do I write that down? Um... You know, they don't know, they don't know, they can't distinguish whether they're male or female. I don't know if they're that uneducated, they need some help, somebody to help them to tell them what they are, but, but you know, that's, that's kind of the, the way people are, or that's the way some people are. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't identify as either male nor female. But the Bible clearly identifies us as either one or the other, and we are born that way, and we can't change it. So tonight we're going to be looking at, again, the standard sheet, wearing immodest clothing or clothing or hairstyles that are not appropriate to my gender. God made us either a man or a woman, and he intends for us to be a man or a woman. Stay that way. Anything else is an abomination to him. So we'll look at this tonight. Let's pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your word. We thank you, Father, that it has the answers to life's uh, difficult, what seems to be difficult questions or problems or issues, and yet are really very simple. But many times these problems come about as we just, man desires to rebel and reject the truth of the word of God. Not submit to your authority. We pray that you help us to be submissive 
to what you would have for us tonight from thy word, that we might be better servants of thine. Give us a heart to please thee in all things. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking really about distinction and between men and women. God made them male and female. And, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but you know when God made them male and female, of course, the, the Garden of in the Bible says they were naked, and they didn't know it. And if they were standing side by side, and you were 50 yards away, could you tell which was which? So, yeah, that'd be pretty obvious, wouldn't it? But, you know, some years ago, this, this, really, this really struck home with me. This is when we were in Maine, and uh, we were going to go to Bangor to the July 4th fireworks. And there was a couple in our church that said they were, they were going to go down a little earlier, and they would meet us. A certain, we could meet them at a certain place, and they, they thought they had a good spot, you know, because we weren't real familiar with the area. So, so we, went, we went, you know, drove down there, and I'm looking for them. And, you know, I'm looking for a man and a woman. However, she had pants on. And, and so, from a distance, I couldn't really tell until I got closer that it was a man and a woman. I didn't know, who they, I didn't know it was them, you know. Um, and furthermore, one day we were in Bangor, <laughs> driving down one of the main streets, and I said to my wife, look there, at that. And it was a, it, it was a man, I guess he was a man, he was carrying a black purse, yeah, it had hairy legs. It had hairy legs. It was wearing a skirt like a nurse, a white nurse's skirt, uniform type skirt, walking down the street. That's confusion. And that's what God is saying that this is. This is a confusion of what he made man and woman. And this is what is displeasing to the Lord. So we'll look at this. I'm going to look at... Some several things about this tonight, and about dress, and about distinction. There's there's two different there's several different areas when we think about dress. One of them is distinction; the other one is covering or modesty, as we know as we talk about it today. So, and and the other one is presenting a good image. Look, so first of all, I'm going to look at we ought to dress for a certain projection. We ought to project a certain image. Go to Exodus chapter 28, and we'll see this principle here. Now we'll just look at some scriptures and, and try to make some applications. Exodus chapter 28 and verses 1 and 2. And they're making garments for the priests. And Exodus 28 verse 1 it says, And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even as Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and Elihezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory... And for beauty. So there was two things that identify the priest's garments, and they were to made, be made for glory and for beauty. Uh, so they were to look nice. In verse 43, um, or verse 40, And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles and bonnets, and but thou shalt make for them for glory and for beauty. 
And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and shalt anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister on me in the priest's office. Thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness. There's a reason for that. I'll make, a, make that a, tell you, explain that in a minute. From the loins, even unto the thighs, shall they reach. So that was to go to the knee. So the loin, it was like a, it was like a, a pair of pants that went to the knee underneath their, 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 uh, their garments, their robes that they wore. So that, and the, and the idea was so that their nakedness wasn't seen. So there was, there were steps going up to the altar. So when they went up, their thighs would not be seen. And the point the Lord is making is, if you see a person's thigh, man or a woman, it's nakedness. He describes it as nakedness. Isaiah 47, 1 and 2, talks about uh, uncovering the thigh, thy nakedness shall be seen. So, so that was the idea. So these were for glory and for beauty and for their covering. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, we are, we are a holy priesthood, a peculiar people. You know, we we are uh, as as God's children. Uh, you know, we are a special people. We are a royal priesthood. It describes us there as. And so again, the application is here: we should not dress down; we should dress up. Now, when you go to work, that doesn't mean you wear a suit and tie to go do septic inspections or to. To check water meters, or you know, or whatever. No, but but you don't dress sloppily. You know, you see these guys. I, I don't know if it's as popular today. I don't see it quite as often as I did for a while. You know, the guys, their pants hanging down about here, and they, you know, you're afraid they're going to fall off. Maybe they got mocked a few many times. I know there's an old lady I used to visit, and she said she when she'd see that she'd laugh at them and say, "Hey, hey, you're gonna lose your pants," you know, and she'd make fun of them and, and said usually they'd pull them up, but uh, but you know they look like an accident waiting to happen, or or even they're dressed sloppily. You know, a, a sloppy appearance speaks of being out of order. In fact, in Second or First Timothy two nine, it talks about wearing modest apparel, and that word modest there means well arranged, well arranged. So we should, no matter what we do, we should try to look decent, try to look orderly. Uh, it, it speaks of respect, it commands respect, and so we ought to project a personal image. the The Bible tells us that the the uh, king's daughters uh, were, were, wore, um, no, I can't think of the word, um, were all glorious within, I think is how it, how it refers to them. So they, 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 it was a, this was a dress-up look, not a dress-down message. You know, the message of the world today is dress-down, and it speaks about even modern art. You know, I was reading in the Epic Times about some of the things with the, the art nowadays, and and it's, it's speak, there are that a lot of people, you know, we call this, this stuff modern art, and it speaks of chaos. It's all, it's just like, it looks like something a little kid did, you know, just, just splattered stuff on a canvas, and they say, oh, that's, oh, that's such a nice piece of art. Mm-hmm. There's no order to it. It speaks of chaos. We shouldn't dress that way. We ought to project 
a good image of a well-arranged image, a good appearance. The second thing that we need to dress for is distinction. You look at Deuteronomy 22.5, first of all, Deuteronomy 22.5. And... Uh, Deuteronomy 22.5, this is part of God's moral law, and it hasn't changed, although, you know, many will try, will challenge you on that, but, but uh, a lot of things in this passage are still in order for today. And Deuteronomy 22.5 says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto man, neither shall a man put on woman's garment, for all that do so on abomination unto the Lord. Uh, in 1 Timothy 2.9, talks about modest apparel, that women ought to dress themselves in modest apparel. And the word apparel there in, in 1 Timothy 2.9 speaks of a garment that's let down. Because people will say, well, in Bible times, men and women wore robes. That is true. But there was a distinction between the two. The woman's robe was let down, or the idea is it had the, the hem longer. You could tell by looking at it from a distance that it was a woman's garment, not a man. In fact, the men, when they were running or working, you know what they'd do? They'd, they'd gird up their loins. They'd, they'd grab that garment and, and tuck it into their belt because they wore breeches underneath, you know, so it wouldn't get in the way of their working. Women didn't do that. Um, so it was a distinction between the two garments, even in New Testament times. This is not just an Old Testament doctrine. And, and so, uh, so, the, so we ought to display a distinction in our dress. We ought to also display a distinction in our hair. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 11. And... Verse 1. I'm in 2 Corinthians. Something don't look right here. Get the first Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, you remember me in all things, keep the ordinances, as I delivered them unto you. But I have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man are pro- praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. How many women do you see today shaving their heads? Um, I don't know if any of you have read about Kamala, Kamala Harris's staff resigning. And look at some of them. They're women with shaved heads. That's a message. No, I'll get to that a little, a little bit more later, but that is a message. Uh, it's, it's a dishonor to her head. It's, 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 it is what is, it's despising the headship of a man is what it is. Anyway, uh, for if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. So it's a shame for her. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. 
So, you know, woman came out of man's side, out of Adam's rib. For this cause ought, not, ought the woman to have power on her head. That power there speaks of submission to authority. On her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man and the Lord. You know, it, to procreate you need both. For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. And you know, the whole passage is talking about the woman should have her head covered, the man shouldn't have his head covered. And you get down to verse 14 and 15, and then you understand that the covering is hair. Long hair. That's the covering. Man's not to be covered. Woman is to be covered. And the hair is the covering. The long hair is the covering. And the long, the long hair has the idea when it hangs down. Um, the word shame means it's a dishonor or a disgrace to have long hair if you're a man. It's a dishonor or disgrace for a woman to not have long hair. There ought to be a clear distinction between the two. You know, God made men and women different. They are different. No, you know, just, I mean, all you have to do is look at the, where the transgenders or guys are entering the women's sports, and you have to understand very simply that men and women are made different. You know, men have greater heart and lung capacity. They have greater muscle mass than women. They're, they're made more for, for, for uh, hard workouts than women are. You know, women seem to have endurance, but not for the hard workout like a man does. You know, God made them distinctly different for different roles. And you can try and deny that all you want to, but the, 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 the evidence is very clear. Uh, and, and God wants to remain a distinction, not only in our dress, but in our hair appearance. And, and this is something that's being, is, is become uh, more and more, I think, today in our society of women Cutting their hair like men, you know, and, and it's it's not really new, but I think it's more prevalent. Uh, this was in the Independent, April sixteenth, twenty twenty one, and it's about a singer. I think she's a a pop or a um, uh, what's that rap? I'm, I'm not sure she's a rap singer, or pop singer. I really don't know much about her other than I saw this article on the Daily Daily Wire. I think it was uh, Demi Lovato. Or Lovato, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name. Anyway, the article says this, quote, She has revealed that she cut her hair off to free herself from the gender and sexuality norms placed on her by religion. The singer, who recently released her new documentary series and album, get this, Dancing with the Devil. I'll tell you something. Debuted her short pixie cut last November. She, you know, she used to have long, wavy black hair, and now she has. I mean, she her hair is as short as mine. She has more of it, but you know, it's as short as mine. Um, 
And so this is what she said. She appearing on the Drew Barrymore show, Lovato said that cutting her hair was a sign that she was putting herself before her career for the first time. Quote, I was so preoccupied trying to be the sexy feminine pop star that I just ignored who I am, unquote, she told Barrymore. Quote, I cut my hair because I just wanted to free myself of all the gender and sexuality norms that were placed on me as a Christian in the South, unquote. Lovato, who was brought up in Texas, said, quote, when I cut my hair, I felt so liberated because I wasn't subscribing to an ideal or a belief placed upon me to be something that I'm not, unquote. Well, it is obvious she's not, but she added that since cutting her hair, she is now the happiest I've ever felt. In March, Lovato explored her past struggles with addiction in the YouTube series Dancing with the Devil. Uh... The documentary chronicles the months leading up to Lovato's 2018 overdose and her journey back to sobriety. Uh, and she also now claims to be non-binary. Uh, you know, I guess what that means is she don't know if she's male or female. And here's the other thing that I noticed. She, there, was a, there was a caption uh, in one of her pictures, you know, different things she has said. And she, has, she was talking about she sings and talks to quote-unquote ghosts to help them through trauma. This woman's into demonism. Um, but see, she, she cut her hair for a message to cast off the Christian idea, really, of the Christian South. You know. Now, if you from the South, you don't maybe don't understand that. If you're from the North and you had standards, and people wanted to challenge you about your standards, and they'd always say this. If you were in the North, and you were not from the North, they'd say, oh, you're from the South, aren't you? you know, and how many times, uh, you know, I had a preacher, so I called a preacher up about a situation one time where they were going to have youth activity with mixed swimming. And I said, uh, aren't you putting uh, uh, temptation uh, in front of your young people? He said, well, I, I hadn't thought about it. He said, you're from the South, aren't you? I was in Maine. I was living in Maine, and I'm from Pennsylvania. You're from the South, aren't you? I said, what's that have to do with it? You know, and I never considered Pennsylvania South. Uh, but, you know, if you have standards and you're in Maine and, you know, they want to chide with you, they will consider you from the South, even if you're from Pennsylvania. But, you know, that's just, again, another, another straw man. But, you know, the point is, God established a distinction that was an distinction that was well established here in America, especially in the Bible Belt, for many years, but is now being thrown off. It's a rebellion against God. That's what it is. Um, and so... So God desires a distinction. So there ought to be distinction in dress. There ought to be distinction in hair. In hair. These are two marks. But you know, this thought came to me. Okay, if you, if you see a woman, if you see somebody, okay, you don't know what it is, and they've got a, a haircut, and you, you look at the face, and you think, because, you know, often men and women's faces do look different. They don't look the same. Because I've often said, you know, somebody's sitting in a car, and if they have a haircut like a man, and I look at the face and I think, 
I think that's a woman. Okay, if, if somebody would present themselves that way, would, you not, would that not cause you to look at the rest of the body to try and figure out who they are? Yeah, it would. It would draw attention to the rest of the body. Again, that's, that's, that's not a good thing. Anyway, so projection, distinction. Thirdly, protection. In Matthew 5, in verse 28... Matthew 5 and verse 28. The Bible says there, verse 27, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it is profitably that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body shall be cast into hell. So, so it's, you know, dress, uh, or dress standards are for our protection. It says here, if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he hath committed adultery, it says, with her. Now, um, i trying to remember what her name was. There was, a, there was a Murder, She Wrote show. I'm trying to remember the name of the, the, the actor. But, you know, there was all these, this is uh, three or four years ago I read this, where, you know, the, the, you had this Harvey Weinstein scandal, and you were having all these, you know, women coming out and accusing these men in Hollywood and, and political guys of sexual molestation and, and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and you know what she said? Well, if women would start covering themselves up better, it would cut down on the temptation, Boy, did she ever get excoriated on media. They just tore her up one side and down the other. But you know that's the truth. That is the truth. It's been a well-established fact that dress standards in school improve learning. In fact, I have an article here. This is uh, published in uh, 2000, November 2017 and in Intellectual Takeout by uh, Amy Holmquist. It says the title of it is A Doctor Explains Why It's Not Prudish to Encourage Modesty. And we're talking about, about dressing uh, to not show yourself off. By the way, this is true of men and women. You know, Joseph, Joseph Potiphar's wife, casts her eyes upon him because she was, he was a goodly man to look to. Uh, anyway, the article states, quote, when a, young cu- a couple of young female passengers were barred from boarding a United Airlines flight because they were wearing leggings, the Internet exploded with accusations of sexism. When high school girls in Los Angeles showed up to school in spaghetti straps and the office shoulder tops, the dress code was deemed outdated. When actress Mayim Bilek and Olympian Gabby Douglas suggested that dressing modestly might protect girls against predatory attacks from individuals like Harvey Weinstein, both were nearly run out of town on a rail. What these incidents suggest is that anyone who hints that modest dress is appropriate and helpful for females is irrational, out of touch, and completely unaware of a woman's mindset and needs. But according to one doctor, such an opinion is opposed to reality. Writing in Psychology Today, Medical doctor Leonard Sachs takes on the issue of school dress codes. Sachs, also an advocate for common sense parenting, explains 
that research shows a decided academic disadvantage disadvantage for girls who dress in more revealing clothing. Even when isolated in a private room, young women dressed in swimsuits perform much worse than those in sweaters when given a math quiz. Uh, the reason for this, Sachs explained, is simple. Quote, we actually have a quite a bit of research now on what happens when a girl or woman wears skin-tight leggings or a swimsuit. Often what happens is self-objectification. The girl or woman assesses herself as an object on display for others. And the more public the setting, the more likely the self-objectification is to occur. Self-objectification is distracting. It's hard to concentrate on Spanish grammar when you're wondering whether this outfit makes your thighs look fat. Girls that, who self-objectify are also more likely to become depressed. They're less likely to be satisfied with the body. They're more likely to engage in self-harm. So in essence, Sachs seems to be inferring that those who encourage modest dressing are not self-righteous prudes, that we've been made them out to be. Instead, their ideas may actually be the ones which are more accepting, considerate, and advantageous to females. And that is true. You know, when a person, when a, when a person is beautifully well-arranged attire and well-covered, it commands respect. It commands respect. It speaks of character. It speaks of virtue. The, the attire of a harlot makes a man look at a woman as an object to be used to satisfy his lusts. It automatically objectifies a woman that she's cheap. You know, and the mini, the mini skirt had a message when it came out. I'll lay with anyone at any time. That was the message. And so the attire that a person wears, particularly women, can cheapen one. Go to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. And, and here's the thing, you know, this protection from being objectified as an object for sexual gratification is, this is what the Bible is teaching us here, that if we will, if we will cover ourselves, ladies, if you cover yourselves, it will protect you from that. And we see here in Proverbs chapter 7, in uh, verse 10, and I will read all this for sake of time, but it says, Behold, there met him a woman with a tire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth at wait at every corner. So she caught him, kissed him, with impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me, this day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He had taken a bag of money with him. He will come home at a day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With a flattering of her lips, she forced him. Now, the modern woman has this idea that she's going to have power over men. 
And the way she's going to yield that power is to dress in a way to attract his attention. And she is. She is wielding some power over him because that is a that is a very powerful attraction for a man. It's the way God wired us. What she don't realize is she's also causing him to disrespect her and view her as an object for the satisfaction of his lusts. He no longer, a man does not respect a woman who does not dress modestly. And and so it causes men to dis, disrespect them. So, so women are, are viewed then, women that dress this way are just viewed by most men as just objects to satisfy their lusts. By the way, dress designers know what they're doing. They design clothing this way on purpose because it sells. Most of them are queers to start with. The guys that design your Levi jeans and all that, they're a bunch of queers. Anyway, uh, look at Proverbs chapter uh, 23. And, and I'll show you this. Proverbs, the Bible bears this out. That, that this cheapens, in the eyes of a man, it cheapens a woman. It cheapens her. She, she has lost his respect. Proverbs 23, verse 27, 28. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also that lieth in wait for a prey, and increaseth transgressions among men. Now, this is a man's writing this. You know, anytime you see in the Bible, you know, Judah went into a harlot. It was just to satisfy his lust. That's all it was for. And then he went on his way. He didn't care any more about her whatsoever. You know, there's no love in this. There's just lust. And a lot of women have this idea they're going to get a man by causing him to lust after them. What you're doing, what what a woman's going to do is cause him to disrespect you. You know, a woman that dresses... You know, well arranged and covers herself carefully, gains the respect of men. That, that, my friend, is power. Power, it's a virtue that will tell man to keep your distance. I am not for sale. That's really what it says. I'm not an object just to be used. It commands respect. And this is, this is the way we ought to dress. Again, men and women. You know, women nowadays are oozing over the guy's muscles and, you know, and his physique and all that, too. So, you know, God gives these things for a reason. He created man. He created woman. He understands. By the way, he understands how man's wired. He understands how woman's wired. And so, you know, these are, these are things that we need to consider. Uh, and then go to 1 Timothy. I didn't go there. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 just briefly. I mentioned it. 1 Timothy 2, 
You know, the, really, the, the, the subject of 1 Timothy 2 is not dress, it's prayer. You know, chapter 2 talks about, uh, exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, and intercession, giving thanks to be made for all men. And, and he talks about prayer, and in verse 8 it says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dieting. In like manner also, he wants women to lift up holy hands in prayer, and, and they do that by, you know, to do that, they have to adorn themselves in modest apparel. That means, the word modest means well arranged. And the word apparel has the idea of a distinction, a garment that's let down. So you're talking about a woman that's well covered, that she's not showing off parts of her body or, or gaining attraction to her body. So she's adorned herself with, with modest apparel, with shame faced. In other words, she has a concern or she's embarrassed to show off certain things. She don't want to show her figure to the world. She don't want to attract men uh, to lust after her. Uh, that's not her, you know, her idea, uh, her, her purpose. So with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly. So, so she doesn't want to. She doesn't put on things that's going to draw attention to her body, but to her face. Now. I want to think about something. So a woman that's dressed like that, where does it draw your attention? The face. You're not going to, you know, there really isn't anything um, that you're, that's really attractive. I mean, she's a, she's a, she's a beautiful woman. But there's nothing here that's going to cause you to have impure thoughts, right? So you're going to be drawn to the face. What's this do? Takes your eyes elsewhere, doesn't it? If any man's honest. Why? Because it shows a figure. It shows a figure. You see a skirt. You know, a man looks, he looks at the legs. You know what a skirt does? It stops it. It stops it. That's what's wrong with women's women in pants. It draws attention to parts of the body that we're not to be drawn to. What to be drawn to? So again. God knows what he's talking about, and he gives us these principles in the scriptures for our protection. Now, you know, I've had women say to me, well, you know, these dirty old men, they're just going to lust after women. There are some that's going to do that. But if you as a lady dress in a way that causes men to lust after you, you are going to be accountable to God for that. Now, I don't think you should wear a potato sack. I think you should look nice. The king's daughters were all glorious within. You should, look, you should look beautiful to the world, but you should look in a way that commands respect that I, and, and says to the world, says to other men, look, I'm a woman of virtue. I'm a woman of virtue. You know, I believe that if, that if, 
if the women of the world dressed that way, the, the sexual harassment would plummet in our society. You see, even the world, if you read their writings carefully, will admit, you know, this, this pop singer admits that she threw off an ideal Something that, of course, goes back to the scriptures. That there are distinctions between men and women that God has established. And it's God's desire that we hold those distinctions. That we endeavor to live by them. And so, you know, as God's people, you know, we should desire to please the Lord. You know, the world's going to try us. They're going to test us. They're going to, you know, but we need to, we need, you know, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, New designs, as long as it's for a man or for a woman. And what you're trying to do today is make it so that you can do either or. And there's another there's another word for that. Uh, a new and I and I you know maybe it's maybe it's just new to me, but particularly with hairstyles, there's called there's a thing called androgynous hairstyles. And it means partly male, partly female in appearance. It isn't just hairstyles, I guess, but you know, it's 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 a thing that's become popular. But you can be partly male and partly female in experience. And, and you know, the, if you if you look at androgynous hairstyles on the internet, you might find a, a woman that's got one side of her head shaved, so that's a man's haircut, and the other side's long. Or it's a hairstyle that's in between. So you know, it could go either way. Um, you know, th- these are the things that are that are that are that are popular uh, that we need to guard against. And you know, the old saying is, "When in doubt, don't." You know, Paul said in Romans, "If anything is not of faith, is sin." If we can't do it with a good conscience before God, we ought not do it. We ought not wear it. We ought not to vow to that style. You know, not all the styles of the world are wrong. We just need to align them with Scripture and strive to please Him in our appearance, in what we wear, in our hairstyles. For God made us male and female. Let's pray.